Section five of Cleek of Scotland Yard by Thomas W. Hanshew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two. Five men, eh? said Cleek, glancing up at Mr. Narkom, who for two or three minutes past had been giving him a sketchy outline of the case in hand. A goodish many, that. And all inside of the past six weeks, you say? No wonder the papers have been hammering the yard, if, as you suggest, they were not accidental deaths. Sure they are not? As sure as I am that I am speaking to you at this minute. I had my doubts in the beginning. There seemed so little to connect the separate tragedies. But when case after case followed with exactly, or nearly exactly, the same details in every instance, one simply had to suspect foul play. Naturally. Even a donkey must know that there's food about if he smells thistles. Begin at the beginning, please. How did the affair start? When and where? In the neighbourhood of Hampstead Heath at two o'clock in the morning. The constable on duty in the district came upon a man clad only in pyjamas lying face downward under the wall surrounding a corner house, still warm but as dead as Queen Anne. "'In his pyjamas, eh?' said Cleek, reaching for a fresh slice of toast. "'Pretty clear evidence that that poor beggar's trouble, whatever it was, must have overtaken him in bed, and that that bed was either in the vicinity of the spot where he was found, or else the man had been carried in a closed vehicle to the place where the constable discovered him. A chap can't walk far in that kind of a get-up without attracting attention.' "'And the body was warm, you say, when found. "'Hmm. "'Any vehicles seen or heard in the vicinity of the spot just previously?' "'Not the ghost of one. "'The night was very still, and the constable must have heard "'if either cab, auto, carriage, or dray had passed in any direction whatsoever. "'He is positive that none did.' "'Naturally, he thought, as you suggested just now, "'that the man must have come from some house in the neighbourhood. "'Investigation, however, proved that he did not. "'In short, that nobody could be found who had ever seen him before. "'Indeed, it is hardly likely that he could have been sleeping "'in any of the surrounding houses, "'for the neighbourhood is a very good one, "'and the man had the appearance of being a person of the labouring class.' "'Any marks on the clothing or body?' "'Not one. Beyond a tattooed heart on the left forearm, which caused the coroner to come to the conclusion later that the man had at some time been either a soldier or a sailor. "'Why?' "'The tattooing was evidently of foreign origin,' he said, from the skilful manner in which it had been performed, and the brilliant colour of the pigments used.' Beyond that, the body bore no blemish. The man had not been stabbed, he had not been shot, and a post-mortem examination of the viscera proved conclusively that he had not been poisoned. Neither had he been strangled, etherized, drowned, or bludgeoned, for the brain was in no way injured and the lungs were in a healthy condition. It was noticed, however, that the passages of the throat and nose were unduly red, and that there was a slightly distended condition of the bowels. 
This letter, however, was set down by the physicians as the natural condition following enteric, from which it was positive that the man had recently suffered. They attributed the slightly inflamed condition of the nasal passage and throat to his having either swallowed or snuffed up something, camphor or something of that sort, to allay the progress of the enteric, although even by analysis they were unable to discover a trace of camphor, or indeed of any foreign substance whatsoever. The body was held in the public mortuary for several days, awaiting identification, but nobody came forward to claim it, so it was eventually buried in the usual way, and a verdict of found dead entered in the archives against the number given to it. The matter had excited but little comment on the part of the public or the newspapers, and would never have been recalled but for the astonishing fact that just two nights after the burial a second man was found under precisely similar circumstances, only that this second man was clad in boots, undervest, and trousers. He was found in a sort of gully, down which, from the marks on the side, he had evidently fallen, behind some furze bushes at a far and little frequented part of the heath. An autopsy established the fact that this man had died in a precisely similar manner to the first, but what was more startling, that he had evidently predeceased that first victim by several days, for when found, decomposition had already set in. Hmm, I see, said Cleek, arching his brows and stirring his tea rather slowly. A clear case of what Paddy would term the second fellow being the first one. Go on, please. What next? Oh, a perfect fever of excitement, of course, for it now became evident that a crime had been committed in both instances, and the press made a great to-do over it. Within the course of the next fortnight it was positively frothing, throwing panic into the public mind by the wholesale, and whipping up people's fears like a madman stirring a salad, for by that time a third body had been found under some furze bushes upward of half a mile distant from where the second had been discovered. Like the first body, this one was wearing night-clothes, but it was in an even more advanced state of decomposition than the second, showing that the man must have died long before either of them. Oh, ho, said Cleek, with a strong rising inflection. What a blundering idiot! Our assassin is evidently a raw hand at the game, Mr. Narkom, and not, as I had begun to fancy, either a professional or the appointed agent of some secret society following a process of extermination against certain marked men. Neither the secret agent nor the professional bandit would be guilty of the extreme folly of operating several times in the same locality, be assured. And here is this muddling amateur letting himself be lulled into a feeling of security by the failure of anybody to discover the bodies of the first victims, and then going at it again in the same place and the same way. For it is fair to assume, I dare say, that the fourth man was discovered under precisely similar circumstances to the first. 
not exactly very like them but not exactly like them cleek as a matter of fact he was alive when found i didn't credit the report when i first heard it a newspaper man brought it to me and sent petrie to investigate the truth of it why didn't you believe the report because it seemed so wildly improbable and besides they had hatched up so many yarns those newspaper reporters since the affair began according to this fellow a tramp crossing the heath in quest of a place to sleep had been frightened half out of his wits by hearing a voice which he described as being like the voice of someone strangling calling out in the darkness sapphires sapphires and a few moments later when as the reporter said the tramp told him he was scuttling away in a panic he came suddenly upon the figure of a man who was dancing round and round like a whirling dervish with his mouth wide open his tongue hanging out and the forefinger of each hand stuck in his nostril as if what's that what's that cleek's voice flicked in like the crack of a whip good god dancing round in circles his mouth open his tongue hanging out his fingers thrust into his nostrils was that what you said yes why do you see anything promising in that fact cleek it seems to excite you never mind about that stick to the subject was that report found to be correct then in a measure yes only of course one had to take the tramp's assertion that the man had been calling out sapphires upon faith for when discovered and conveyed to the hospital he was in a comatose condition and beyond making any sound at all he died without recovering consciousness about twenty minutes after petra's arrival and although the doctors performed a post-mortem immediately after the breath had left his body there was not a trace of anything to be found that differed in the slightest from the other cases heart brain liver lungs all were in a healthy condition and beyond the reddened throat and signs of recent enterics there was nothing abnormal but his lips his lips mr narkom was there a smear of earth upon them was he lying on his face when found were his fingers clenched in the grass did it look as if he had been biting the soil yes replied narkom as a matter of fact there was both earth and grass in the mouth the doctors removed it carefully examined it under the microscope even subjected it to chemical test in the hope of discovering some foreign substance mixed with the mass but failed utterly to discover a single trace of course of course it would be gone like a breath gone like a passing cloud if it were that if it were what cleek my dear fellow good lord you don't mean to tell me you've got a clue perhaps perhaps don't worry me he made answer testily then rose and walked over to the window and stood there alone pinching his chin between his thumb and forefinger and staring fixedly at things beyond after a time however yes it could be that assuredly it could be that he said in a low-sunk voice as if answering a query but in england in this far land 
in malay yes in ceylon certainly and sapphires too sapphires hmm they mine them there one man had travelled in foreign parts and been tattooed by natives so that the self-same country just so of course of course but who but how and in england his voice dropped off he stood for a minute or so in absolute silence drumming noiselessly with his fingertips upon the window-sill then turned abruptly and spoke to mr narkom go on with the story please he said there was a fifth man i believe when and how did his end come like the others for the most part but with one startling difference instead of being undressed nothing had been removed but his collar and boots he was killed on the night i started with dollops for the continent in quest of you and his was the second body that was not actually found on the heath like the first man he was found under the wall which surrounds lemmingham house lemmingham house what's that a hotel or a private residence a private residence owned and occupied by mr james barrington edwards any relation to that captain barrington edwards who was cashiered from the army some twenty years ago for conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman the same man aho uh -huh. the same man eh cleek's tone was full of sudden interest stop a bit let me put my thinking-box into operation. Captain Barrington Edwards. Hmm. That little military unpleasantness happened out in Ceylon, did it not? The gentleman had a fancy for conjuring tricks, I believe, even went so far as to study them first-hand under the tutelage of native fakirs, and was subsequently caught cheating at cards that's the man isn't it yes said narkom that's the man i'll have something startling to tell you in connection with him presently but not in connection with that card-cheating scandal he always swore that he was innocent of that in fact that it was a put-up job by one of the other officers for the sake of ruining him yes i know they all say that it's the only thing they can say still i always believed him cleek he's been a pretty straightforward man in all my dealings with him and i've had several besides which he is highly respected these days then too there's the fact that the fellow he said put up the job against him for the sake of blackening him in the eyes of his sweetheart eventually married the girl so it does look rather fishy however although it ruined barrington edwards for the time being and embittered him so that he never married he certainly had the satisfaction of knowing that the fellow who had caused this trouble turned out an absolute rotter spent all his wife's money and brought her down to absolute beggary whereas if she'd stuck to barrington edwards she'd have been a wealthy woman indeed today. he's worth half a million at the least calculation how's that somebody die and leave him a fortune 
no he had a little of his own speculated while he was in the east in precious stones and land which he had reason to believe likely to produce them succeeded beyond his wildest hopes and is to-day head of the firm of barrington edwards morpeth and Furman, the biggest dealers in precious stones that hatton garden can boast of oh said cleek i see i see and screwed round on his heel and looked out of the window again then after a moment and mr barrington edwards lives in the neighbourhood of hampstead heath does he he asked quite calmly alone no with his nephew and heir young mr archer blaine a dead sister's only child as a matter of fact it was mr archer blaine himself who discovered the body of the fifth victim coming home at a quarter to one from a visit to an old college friend he found the man lying stone dead in the shadow of the wall surrounding lemmingham house and of course lost no time in dashing indoors for a police whistle and summoning the constable on point duty in the district the body was at once given in charge of a hastily summoned detachment from the yard and conveyed to the hampstead mortuary where it still lies awaiting identification been photographed not as yet of course it will be as were the other four prior to the time of burial should nobody turn up to claim it but in this instance we have great hopes that identification will take place on the strength of a marked peculiarity the man is web-footed and the man is what rapped in cleek excitedly web-footed repeated narkom the several toes are attached one to the other by a thin membrane after the manner of a duck's feet and on the left foot there is a peculiar horny protuberance like like a rudimentary sixth toe interrupted cleek fairly flinging the eager query at him it is eh well by the eternal i once knew a fellow years ago in the far east whose feet were malformed like that and if by any possibility stop a bit a word more is that man a big fellow broad-shouldered muscular and about forty or forty-five years of age you've described him to a t dear chap there is however a certain other peculiarity which you have not mentioned though that of course may be a recent acquirement the palm of the right hand wait a bit wait a bit interposed cleek a trifle irritably he had swung away from the window and was now walking up and down the room with short nervous steps his chin pinched up between his thumb and forefinger his brows knotted and his eyes fixed upon the floor saffragam jaffna trincomalee in all three of them in all three he said putting his running thoughts into muttered words and now a dead man sticks his fingers in his nostrils and talks of sapphires sapphires eh and the saffragam district stuck thick with them as spangles on a nautch girl's veil the bereva for a ducat the bereva reef or i'm a dutchman and barrington edwards was in that with the rest so was peabody so was miles 
and so too were Lieutenant Edgeburn and the Spaniard Juan Alvarez. Eight of them begat eight, and I was ass enough to forget, idiot enough not to catch the connection until I heard again of Jim Peabody's web foot. But wait, stop. There should be another marked foot if this is indeed a clue to the riddle, and so— he stopped short in his restless pacing and faced round on Mr. Narkom. "'Tell me something,' he said in a sharp staccato. "'The four other dead men, did any among them have an injured foot? The left or the right, I forget which. From which all toes but the big one had been torn off by a crocodile's bite, so that in life the fellow must have limped a little when he walked. Did any of the dead men bear a mark like that?' "'No,' said Narkom. The feet of all the others were normal in every particular. Hmm, that's a bit of a setback. And I am either on the wrong track, or Alvarez is still alive. What's that? Oh, it doesn't matter. A mere fancy of mine, that's all. Now, let's get back to our mutton, please. You are going to tell me something about the right hand of the man with the webbed foot. What was it? The palm bore certain curious hieroglyphics traced upon it in bright purple. Hieroglyphics, eh? That doesn't look quite so promising, said Cleek in a disappointed tone. It is quite possible that there may be more than one web-footed man in the world, so of course... <clears throat> what were those hieroglyphics, Mr. Narkom? Can you describe them? "'I can do better, my dear chap,' replied the superintendent, dipping into an inner pocket and bringing forth a brown leather case. "'I took an accurate tracing of them from the dead hand this morning, and there you are. That's what's on his palm, Cleek, close to the base of the forefinger running diagonally across it.' Cleek took the slip of tracing paper and carried it to the window, for the twilight was deepening and the room was filling with shadows. In the middle of the thin, transparent sheet was traced this. Reader's note, the image shows what appears to be an unintelligible scribble. End of note. He turned it up and down, he held it to the light, and studied it for a moment or two in perplexed silence. Then, of a sudden, he faced round, and Narkom could see that his eyes were shining, and that the curious one-sided smile, peculiar unto him, was looping up his cheek. "'My friend,' he said, answering the eager query in the superintendent's look, "'this is yet another vindication of Poe's theory that things least hidden are best hidden, and that the most complex mysteries are those which are based on the simplest principles. With your permission I'll keep this,' tucking the tracing into his pocket, "'and afterward I will go to the mortuary and inspect the original.' Meantime, I will go so far as to tell you that I know the motive for these murders. I know the means, and if you will give me forty-eight hours to solve the riddle, at the end of that time I'll know the man. I will even go farther and tell you the names of the victims, and all on the evidence of your neat little tracing. The web-footed man was one James Peabody, a farrier, at one time attached to the Blue Cavalry at Trincomalee Ceylon. Another was Joseph Miles, an Irishman, 
bitten early with the wanderlust which takes men everywhere and in making rolling stones of them suffers them to gather no moss still another and probably from the tattoo mark on his arm the first victim found was thomas hart able-bodied seaman formerly in service on the p and o line the remaining two were alexander mccurdy a scotchman and t jenkins quegg a yankee the latter however was a naturalized englishman and both were privates in her late majesty's army and honorably discharged cleek my dear fellow are you a magician said narkom sinking into a chair overcome oh no my friend merely a man with a memory that's all and i happen to remember a curious little pool that was made up of eight men five of them are dead the other three are juan alvarez the spaniard that lieutenant edgeburn who married and beggared the girl captain barrington edwards lost when he was disgraced and last of all the ex-captain barrington edwards himself gently gently my friend don't excite yourself all these murders have been committed with a definite purpose in view with a devil's instrument and for the devil's own stake riches those riches mr narkom were to come in the shape of precious stones the glorious sapphires of ceylon and five of the eight men who were to reap the harvest of them died mysteriously in the vicinity of lemmingham house cleek my hat narkom sprang up as he spoke and then sat down again in a sort of panic and he barrington edwards the man that lives there deals in precious stones then that man gently my friend gently don't bang away at the first rabbit that bolts out of the hole it may be a wee one and you'll lose the buck that follows two men live in that house remember mr archer blaine is mr barrington edwards heir as well as his nephew and who knows End of section 5